I have a I have a new obsession. I can't hear you. Really? I have this this keyboard duster that I bought for um, cleaning the dust. And what I've discovered is it's really handy at cleaning like all sorts of other things. Right? It just the dust flies away. It's amazing. In fact, you, you, it, the you dust it, it's dust you know off. Also handy. Yeah, you know, it's also handy. Like it's just a duster. Yeah, I can, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna uh, just gonna you know demonstrate that this is this is this was invented a long time ago, right? Uh, let me just bite that off. <laughs> this is so anti-consultant. Consultants tell people how to solve their problems. They don't actually go clean things up on their own. You know, they, have, they tell other people how to clean up their messes. Yeah. They don't actually <laughs> clean up messes. That's not consultative. We were, we were just we were just talking about dust off for all your your cleaning. Oh, <laughs> Wonderful, perfect. <laughs> I don't know if any of us are qualified to give mental health advice. Um, that stopped us before. <laughs> exactly. Good point. Oh my god. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Consultants Saying Things. I'm Chris Lockhart, joined by Oliver Kronk, Filianoff, Wendy Keen. Um, today, we wanted to talk about um, something that I know I've been dealing with a lot recently. I know a lot of others have um, with the return to sort of, you know, hybrid working back in face, face person in person, face to face, I think is what I was trying to say. Um, uh, communications and engagements, right? There, there are there are um, new levels, of new new modes of stress that are are descending on us and on me. Um, and so, you know, we wanted to talk a little bit about mental resilience, right? And 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 talk about that, especially now. Uh, you know, there's a lot going on in the world. Um, the the work patterns continue to shift. Um, a lot of folks are are going through a lot of things. There's economic issues. Right? All of these things are um, additive uh, to levels of stress. And you know, how do consultants um, deal with that? And um, we wanted to give some you know some tools and some um, some anecdotes and some uh, practices maybe that um, we've picked up over over time and, and along the way. So you know, I, I you know Phil, I know you 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 articulate things so well, Phil. Right? So. <laughs> Um, Hi, I'm Phil. Yeah, uh, I was wondering if um, you wouldn't mind giving us a, a, a two-minute view on this. 
Well, I think this is a great topic for all times, right? And yes, we might be feeling stressed out now, but the thing is, you know, why does resilience matter is because we've got lots going on and we want you to feel capable and competent and able to get those things done, even when we have the variety of setbacks we might have in our lives, right? So there's all kinds of environmental things that are going on. And we might have picked up some bad habits even, you know, when we were younger. And that's one of those things that might just be showing themselves up. Now, why does resilience matter? Listen, if you are feeling tired every day, if you are feeling like you don't have the energy in order to get things done, one of the things that might be happening, all the physical stuff aside, right? But one of the things that might be happening is that you are lacking resilience in the moment. I mean, if you find yourself yelling at folks in traffic because of the way it's happening or snapping at a coworker, probably none of those are productive behaviors, but they are in fact some indicators that you might be wanting to build up your resilience so that you can take things and bounce back. That's what resilience means, right? Bouncing back in the face of adversity. We want you to bounce back because we think you're good at what you do. And sometimes things get a hold of us and uh, keep us from being at our best. So how can we fix that? Um, And of course, we should, we should we should rush to add, of course, that, you know, this is in no way meant to be a um, clinical session. Um, if, you know, if folks uh, need actual help, right, they should go and get that help from an actual registered um, you know, professional. So please don't take this as any of us are <laughs> mental health experts. Um, but I know, I know, Oliver, you've, you've done some thinking on this, too. Yeah. And actually, I'll echo the whole getting professional help thing as well. I am. Um... I can kind of went through a bit of a journey of enlightenment about mental health probably about five years ago. Um, and y- yeah, I was kind of pushed by a colleague, a couple of colleagues actually to, to, to get professional help because they cared about me, you know, and they knew I, I was struggling to sort of deal with as much as, as much as I thought, you know, I was self-aware and, you know, um, very much mindful of, of how I was coming across to others. They recognized I needed some help because I was struggling. And it was, it was, you know, it related to a step up in my career. You know, I was kind of managing a, a lot more people than I ever had and had a lot more responsibility. And and they, and they, and they said, but Oliver, you just, you, you just need to go and, you know, get your head sorted out. And I think the best way to do that is to get some professional help. And, and they did it out of the kindness of their own heart. And I have to say, I have to thank them because, you know, I think I was just trying to muddle along on my own. So I would echo the point, if, yeah, if folks listen to this and feel they need to talk. You know, don't 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 hold back from doing that. It can be scary for me. It was a massive scary thing, like to actually open up and talk to someone professionally. But um, but yeah, no. So 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 for me, I think you know I've gone through waves of this one. Uh, I think changing career, changing role, changing level of seniority is often quite challenging. You know, you want to kind of push yourself, you want to have a growth mindset, but sometimes that can come at a bit of a personal cost. You know, you kind of you, putting yourself out of your comfort zone, you know, way out of your comfort zone sometimes can you know, can, can be quite hard to, you know, and, and as Phil just said, often the stress has come out in, in, in different ways. For me, it was coming out at home too much. You know, I was kind of getting angry at, at home because I was very professional, but very professional face on at work. And then would perhaps let my guard down at home, which wasn't acceptable. Yeah, no, absolutely. And yeah, you know, it's, yeah. it's, your, it's you, it's your family. It, and oh, by the way, it's your clients, right? You know, you're not servicing your clients if you're, um, you're upset. I mean, you, you do, Wendy, do you think, 
Do you think consultants in particular are more at risk for this? I mean, you know, in the normal times when you're doing all this traveling and you're all, you know, there's that stress. We haven't been doing that so much, but it adds a new kind of stress, right? And we've talked about this before, right? Like, you know, before the meeting might end five minutes before, so you could stop by the cafeteria to get a cup of coffee before you go walk to the next meeting. Now it's just like, bam, 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 straight, like from eight to six at night. That's a different kind of stress. I mean, are consultants more susceptible to this? I do think so, and for a variety of reasons. One is perhaps the personalities that are drawn to consulting are are very driven. Um, we're in, in many cases, competitive environments with high expectations on hours, delivery, what we're able to take on, how we might want to rise to the top, um, you know, delivering to clients. So, so I do think the environment and the nature of consultants makes us more susceptible, which is also good for us to reflect on um, knowing that, you know, what can consulting firms do to make sure that we're supporting each other? Oliver, you gave a great example of that, but also structuring engagements and structuring culture in a way that fosters, I think, wellness as well. Brilliant. Let me just stop with that right there. I just think that's a great insight in that, you know, structuring our work environment, you know, and we're not trying to lead you down the path of experiential avoidance. Everyone's there to teach you a thing. But in that space, you know, you got to say, I, I got to have my boundaries in order to perform well. Here is where I need these boundaries to be. And that means, you know, and, and whatever it is for you, right, you're not going to be calling me during these hours you're, or I'm not going to be answering my phone at this time or whatever the rules are that you need in order to recharge your battery so that you can be fully present when you're active on the thing. You need to be doing that. And uh, I think it can feel really difficult, right? Particularly when you're new, the relationships are new. And, you know, a lot of times people don't want to establish those boundaries up front, but I think it's completely okay to look at a client or a boss and say, look, I want to deliver at 100% for you. And for me, that means I'm going to need a couple of things and I'm hoping this is okay. Let's figure that out up front before we get started. And this is what I need. Yeah. You know, what, I'll, I'll give you an example that I'm, I've been dealing with a lot um, lately, and that is, you know, Monday morning, I open my laptop, I go into Outlook, and I look at my calendar, and, you know, I've got like eight meetings simultaneous every 30-minute block, like the entire day, like all unaccepted, right, all tentative, <laughs> because... You know, and, and I look at that and I'm just like, okay, like, do I, do I need, do I need to block my time? Is that the boundary that I need to set or do I need to reject meetings? Do I need to decline them and say, no, I'm eating lunch during this, this, whatever, you yeah. know, um, this period of time. It's, what do you think, Oliver? One. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one, Chris, right? Because I, I was doing the tentative thing for a while and then I've had a coaching recently from someone to say, no, stop doing the tentative thing. You're either available for something or you're not. And just be decisive and say no. I think the problem I suffer from, and I think probably we all do on this call, is we like we like to help people and you know we kind of like to support others. But actually, by sort of being tentative, you know, in case and then reason for that, I'm sure you're similar, is in case something something else kind of gets cancelled, right? Oh, that thing got cancelled, which means I can pick up that other thing. And they're like, no, just 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 uh, be more decisive. It's either yes or no. Or, or it's even it could be even worse, Oliver. It's the thing where it's like, oh, well, I'll drop into this meeting for 10 minutes and then this meeting for 10 minutes and then this meeting for 10 minutes. And I can cover three meetings, you know, when, you know, that sort of thing. And I think going back to the mindfulness thing, I think that Phil just talked about, I think that's that for me, I think is a superpower. If you can be truly mindful, and this is what I try and practice, of course, it's hard, isn't it, to be mindful. But that whole thing about, right, you've got me that time. I'm going to be fully focused and in the moment, like like this recording now, like I'm fully 
focus as much as I can be on this conversation, or if, or if it's a client engagement, uh, you've got me for the 30 minutes or the hour. Uh, and, and that, that in order to do that, though, you do need those buffers. And I think that's what's been so challenging about this hybrid and remote world is bang, straight on the hour, straight into the next thing. And there's like no downtime to kind of like process or even take notes of actions or something before you're straight into the next or, or thing. Or do work yeah. or do work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When, yeah. You know, yeah. if you're in meetings from, you know, 7 a.m. through 6 p.m., when do you do the work, right? When you're on the road, you go back to the hotel and you sit with your laptop and have dinner and you do, you, then you go back to the room. And I used to watch Shark Tank in the background, you know, till two in the morning working on slides, right? And then you, you go back to, you go back to the thing, at, you know, the next morning, but it, like I'm at home. So when I close that laptop, by the when I close that laptop at night, I got I got five other people out there expecting me to come out and and be dad and husband and all that sort of stuff, right? And so I can't be working on slides till two in the morning when I'm you know every day. It's crazy, right? I really like this idea of boundaries. You know, starting this year, I've um, wherever possible, I've actually cleared the calendar on Mondays to do work. Otherwise, my work time is you know to your point Saturday and Sunday. I've also seen um, people scheduling 45 minute meetings and that gets ingrained in the culture so that you have 50 minutes to shift and you're not, um, you know, sort of running between um, between meetings. So some some other good ideas, I think, as well. Talking of culture, though, um, we were talking before we hit the record button about the culture of checking calendars like this courteous, this this culture of being courteous of other people's time. Like just, just you know, I think with, unfortunately with me, sometimes it gets to the point where I'm busy a few weeks out, out, out in advance. And so people go, do you know what? I don't know where, he doesn't look free at any time. So I'm just going to shove it in in this hour here. And it's like, well, you know, that's, that's not very helpful. You know? And I think just the, promoting a culture of being respectful of other people's time and other people's schedules, um, you know, is-, is Let me just is say to that bit and Oliver, you know, changing a culture is really tough. You almost always, when you're trying to figure out how to build resilience, that's the thing you're doing for you, right? And so you got to figure out what it is you are going to do in your environment. I mean, you can ask others to say, this is this thing and that thing. But I think, it, you know, as we figure out what we're going to do for ourselves, we have to realize this is, you know, this is what I need. This is what I'm going to do. And if I don't do it, I'm not going to be doing my best work. I'm going to be snapping at my kids and my wife and husband or whatever, all that stuff at home and, or yelling at my dog who really doesn't deserve it. You know, I mean, all this kind of stuff that goes on. Uh, and I think, you know, so if you're doing a self-assessment in the beginning of this, it's like, okay, how, how would I rate myself in the beginning? How am I doing right now? So, you know, that's a thing I've kind of, you know, in terms of a coping mechanism, that's a thing I've taught myself is to realize when I'm in fact stressed out and not being resilient so that I know to take corrective actions on it. Because if you don't realize it, you just go. And the problem is behavior becomes normalized, right? I mean, in certain environments, just snapping at others and being ugly and difficult and antisocial. That just is some places a norm and that's no good for you and no good for them. That's exactly yeah. right. And, you know, when when you and I did uh, mastermind um, a couple of years ago, you know, one of the things I thought was useful in that process, right, is you come into um, and this was a, 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 a peer based uh, coaching type uh, environment. And you come in and you basically say, you know, how, how am I doing right now on a scale of one to ten? Right. <laughs> if you're under five, <laughs> you know. 
uh, you got to change some stuff, right? And, and I think it's it's useful in identifying, well, why is that? You know, why are you angry? Why are you stressed out? Is it because I have too many meetings? Is it because, you know, like what I, I, I have a, um, someone on one of my teams and, you know, he came to me and he said, listen, you know, and first of all, I was like, you're doing an amazing job. And he's like, oh, that's awesome. But he's like, I'm stretched too thin and I feel like I'm dropping balls. In other words, I'm not doing my best work, right? And now I don't think that was perceived from the outside at all, but you know, that person's feeling that way, that, that impacts their brain chemistry, right? And levels of various hormones and things like that. And, you know, all, all of the things related to how the brain works. So, I mean, you know, I, I think there is this, um, you know, how do I make space for myself kind of thing so that I, I don't get overwhelmed. And, you know, we just did this, I mean, I went through this very mastermind exercise this morning, right? It's the call I had before this one. And you get numbers that are all over the place. I mean, this morning, as low as a six. And the issues are exactly the same thing we're talking about right now, right? I feel exhausted. I am not systematically getting this heuristic work done. Everything feels like I'm just, I, I've left everything on the field and then some, right? And I'm working too late. So I just think think those, you know, once having established what those parameters or what those things are, what are the symptoms of being low in resilience? I think we ought to talk about what are some things we can do for ourselves that kind of build that back up, right? How do we get to be resilient? There's a bunch of stuff out there. Some, I mean, yeah. things we've tried. I think for me, a lot of this comes back to um, you know, physical health and mental health, I think quite closely aligned right and for me if I'm not exercising reasonably regularly and making time for that as much as sometimes it can feel quite selfish and indulgent to carve out an hour or two uh it's important because you know it it boosts it boosts your you know your, your brain chemistry and, and gets you you know back in the right headspace or at least does, does does for me anyway so I think you know certainly control mechanism for me a kind of you know release valve if you if you will is is going is going out and doing a run or or, or cycling for me and it ha has been for a long time and I, I i know i'm i'm in fact my wife has got to the point where she actually sends me out on my bike sometimes at the weekend like you just need to and locks out. the door right yeah, so. yeah she's like time for oliver to go out and play go <laughs> get out of the house we don't want you here because you're horrible go out on your bike and hopefully you'll be better when you come back yeah, yeah. Wendy, Wendy, nope. how do you how do you deal, Wendy? Because I mean, you're 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 traveling transatlantic a lot, right? You're doing lots of um, workshops. I know you're really busy. What what are how do you deal with that level of stress and and stay resilient? Yeah, I, I think the mindset's a big part of it. Um, and I'll point to uh, a, a book or, or you know TED talks that that many people probably know from from Carol Dweck on on mindsets and people with a fixed mindset tend to see their sets of qualities and attributes and abilities as fixed. So, um, you know, just trying to have to prove ourselves, or I'm going to say in my guess, like trying to be perfect, you know, getting everything exactly right, avoiding challenges and feedback and, and maybe feeling um, threatened by others. And so if you have a fixed mindset, you don't meet your potential, but those with a growth mindset and those maybe, again, I'm going to stretch it and say, knowing it doesn't have to be perfect. We're always like a work in process. And if we see that new challenges make us better, we're always on the journey, it's worth the effort, you know, really learning from others and immersing that, that you can achieve more and reach your potential. So I think the mindset's huge. From my own perspective as well, taking really long physical journeys has helped my mindset, whether it's a 
long ultra marathon or mountain, I realize the peace and the patience in one step at a time. Like I'm going to get where I'm going, but I'm going to get there one step at a time. And that is okay. And sometimes there are setbacks. Sometimes you go back down to a lower camp on the mountain, but if I have a setback, I know that in some way it's preparing me for the next thing to go higher uh, on the next round. Is, is it as simple as, you know, you, you've got, you've got time, you've got scope, you've got cost, right? Is it as simple as adjusting those variables or is it more complex than that? Cause I can reduce scope, right? I can quit. <laughs> right. Um, you know, but you know, it's, it's like, you know, is it that simple? Because it seems like those are the three things that are always people are asking too much of all the time. Right. And you know, if you inside your own parlance, right. Isn't it yeah. the issue is we've allowed our professional lives to some, so much scope creep without calling back on it. Right. We didn't claw it back. Uh, and I think yeah. that's a thing. We, and we're not protecting the asset, which is a thing I'm telling people all the time. Right. You know, if you're going to be Wendy or, Oliver, you're going to go out and run or, you know, or walk or whatever, or bike or however that, whatever it might be for you. Uh, but I mean, in, of course, getting enough sleep. And I think that was in all of that. But if you're not getting the sleep you need, I mean, this is a terrible thing for your mind and your body. It's hard to be performing at level, at grade level, even if you're not sleeping. Yeah. No, I have a, I have an example of that very recent actually. So the last time I snapped was because I'd gone a week really without sleeping properly. Um, anxiety about you know my first international trip, going to a new part of the world I'd never been to before, and then changing uh, time zone and jet lag, and you know um, just ba- badly planning my my travel in all honesty. Arri- arriving arriving uh, you know at your, at your hotel at, t- at ten to two in the morning, only then to have to get up at half past six to give a presentation at nine a.m you know, is, is not, is not good. I mean, that was partly because the flight was delayed, but I probably should have, should have allowed for that a little bit, but yeah, no, I, it broke me, you know, and I, I should have known that sleep is my Achilles heel, but, and then unfortunately you get, I, I find you get into a pattern where once you, once you're out of the sleep pattern, you then struggle to get back in, into the rhythm of sleep. Right. So yeah, I, I think sleep is sleep and exercise, um, a super, super important sort of, you know, balancing factors. Um, but I like feel what you're saying about, protecting the asset you know kind of and actually sometimes just feeling like you should do more i want to do the next thing i want to kind of prove my value my worth and the problem there is you take on too much you end up sort of as nathan olchin who's been a guest on this uh series before said to me oliver you're you're not captain margarine you know stop (laughs) stop and he says that because you know you can spread margarine really thin right so he's he's making the joke about that but he's right you know you kind of have to you have to sort of set those boundaries, as we said, and sort of, this is what I can achieve. Uh, I can make, put a stretch target in, but what am I saying no to by saying yes to something else? But, but how do people know that, right? Because consultants, I think, especially come up saying, no, no, we can, what can we, you want that? Yes, we got it. We can do that. What, expert in Oracle, done, right? We, we can do anything. Give us enough money and time. We can do anything, right? So how do you set those, how do you identify and set those boundaries? Teach yourself to say no, right? I mean, a bit around the bound. I mean, it was exactly what you said, Chris, and you know this, right? The thing is, you're in your spot. You've got to prove a thing. You say yes to everything. And at some point you realize, oh my God, I really can't do that. And, or I can do that, but it's going to require super heroic effort. 
and no one cares. They just need it done on some regular time frame. So let's get it done on whatever that regular time frame is. But I think the a technique you've got to develop is figure out where your own boundaries are. You've got to be able to look at someone and say, I don't see me doing that. Mm. You know, that is not in the cards for me and you together. Not going to happen. Being brave enough to say no is is yeah. hard, I think. I think it's it is. Yeah, but it but I think it's key to resilience. I think if you just continue to say yeah, so I think although the growth mindset that Wendy points out is really, really important, but I think it's that balance, isn't it, of looking for the opportunities where you can learn and grow, but not overwhelming yourself by saying yes too much. Yeah. You know, one of the things that we do when we're helping people build resilience is to help them figure out that they're saying yes to things that do not, in fact, align with their values, right? And so there are things that are really important to them. You know, I care about the environment, or I care about being pro-social, or I care about doing things in a particular way, you know, with honesty and virtue, whatever they might be, whatever the values are for you. And I'm not prescribing that, but you've got values. And if day after day, you're being called upon to do things that are outside that value set, to sacrifice the things that are, are in fact important to you, that just drains that battery, something fierce. And you end up in a spot where like, there's nothing left because basically every time someone asks you to do something, your mouth is saying yes, and your brain is throwing a hissy fit over what's going on. And that is exhausting inside your head, right? Yeah, it's exhausting. just exhausting. Let's talk about exhausting for a second, right? I mean, I, you know, I'm not young anymore. <laughs> I mean, you all look great. You but, still um, look young. Thank yeah, you. Thanks. But um, that's only because I shaved. I, I was going to go have lunch with my daughter at school and she said, you can't come looking like an old man. So <laughs> she made me shave. My, my beard. Anyway, point look, is. It's, um, it's lunch with Abe Lincoln day. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, you know, when I was younger, and I think a lot of young consultants experience this. You come into an environment um, where you're kind of like a number, right? In a large machine and you do what you're told and there's a hierarchy and all that stuff, right? Um, and you're eager and you want to impress and you want to please and you want to demonstrate what you can do and, and all that stuff, which leads to those all night, you know, sessions with laptops out you know, at the bar or wherever, um, creating materials and things like that. And you can do that for some period of time. And as you get older, that becomes less of something that you can do. And frankly, as you move up the ladder, you do less of that anyway, generally speaking, not always. Uh, but I remember one time in particular, you know, uh, it was, it was late. It was, you know, it was crisis or whatever. I may have told this story already. I'll, I'll do it again. I'll edit it not out. today though. <laughs> yeah, not today. It's all new. It's new. Um, you know, and, and, you know, I was like, you know, this, this is, you know, what are we doing here? You know, so, uh, senior partner. And he was like, well, you know what? We're not selling potatoes, right? They're paying us a lot of money and you are being highly compensated. Let's get the work done. Right. That sort of thing. And like, that has stuck with me for years. Right. And so whenever, you know, there's a team member that's like, you know, well, I, you know, I've got all these other things doing. It's like, well, we're not selling potatoes, right? We, we are highly compensated people and there's an output that's expected. Now, I think to the point that we're trying to make here is to deliver that thing and deliver it in the way that the client expects, you've got to architect 
your your environment in a way that enables you to do that. So, you know, uh, you know, I, I don't I don't know what all those things are. And frankly, I don't even know if I know how to recognize. Right. At my age, at, at my career, I'm not sure I always know how to recognize um, when I'm at the point where I need to do that. Right. Yeah. Lately, I've been finding, you know, I'll be sitting here like, you know, I'm like, oh, my God, what a week it's been. And I, I look and it's like, oh, it's Monday at 11 a.m. Right. And like in my mind, the week's over. Right. Because it's been so exhausting to Phil's point already. Yeah. I really like the, okay, you could give given, you know, the architecture background I have, but I, li- I like the kind of thought that you need the right architect. And I think that comes down to sort of a number of things we've talked about on other episodes, right? Like coaching and mentoring, having having the right people you can kind of go to that you trust that can help you in, in difficult times. But I guess also, if we look at that you know, foundational piece of that architecture, we've already touched on some of them, right? Like, like appropriate rest, sleep, exercise. Um, you know, so some of these other pieces, are, I feel like are foundational to that kind of, you know, and, and you can kind of layer other things on top of it. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny because um, there's a chap, Gavin, who we, we perhaps we may, we may talk to. He, he and I have spoken about this sort of architecture of business mental health, like, what does it take to be a high performer? And, you know, there's mindset in there. There's mindfulness in there. There's the other things we've just talked about. So, yeah, and no, I, I definitely think that framework, and some people kind of just know this, in, you know, innately. They just sort of, you know, they just sort of seem to know how to kind of operate. I think others, like myself included, have had to actively kind of work out, well, what is it that makes me tick and what are the things I need in order to be a high performer and continue to be a high performer and not kind of constantly roller coaster, have, have, have good periods and then, nosedive when when things get too difficult yeah and as, as wendy pointed out right um there are there are there is science here and i mean none of us are really scientists but <laughs> maybe we're not qualified to speak on this on this topic but right wendy i mean there was that ted talk you mentioned i mean there's other things here right about how the brain works right and it's not made up right it's not it's not i feel bad it's like no there's stuff happening that causes that right well, in, in just the bigger picture, as Phil said, protect the asset, the bigger picture of if you run something too much now, you don't have it in the big picture. Um, I'm, I'm also a bit hopeful that over time, consulting firm culture and expectations will shift. We look at, you know, all the challenges around staffing today. Different generations expect a little bit more balance, right? So so I am hopeful or, or value delivery, not necessarily just time and billing. So I'm hopeful there. Um, um, I, I also think it's a good point that when you are a younger consultant, you're much less likely to say no and maybe put some of those boundaries up. I I, I think um, particularly the senior folks, and I'll give an example of myself, um, they can really set the tone. So um, I, I, I do work a lot flying in the face of what we're saying here, but I always used to tell my my team, I don't ever expect you to work as hard as ever as I do. Not ever, not ever, not ever. I want you to take this day off. I want you to, you know, have a normal life. But then they would say to me, yeah, but you're sending us emails at two and three in the morning. Like you're doing it. So you're setting the tone. So I think, you know, any individual, right, in position of leadership or, or even a peer can give others the permission and the inspiration to make their own boundaries as well. Well, I mean, what your team members didn't know is that you actually wrote those emails at 7 p.m., but you scheduled them for a 2 or 3 a.m. delivery just to show nice. the world that you're up all night working hard. <laughs> that were only true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, uh, so there are tools. There are uh, there are books. There are TED Talks. There are other things. Of course, you know, and already you mentioned it, right? There's professionals um, 
you know, I, I think, you know, we've given, we've given a lot of perspective on like our experiences and things like that as practitioners, but I think there's, there's a follow-up here around what, what does a professional say about this? Maybe, you know, so you said, you know, what I heard is like, eat well, exercise. You left out my favorite one, which is maybe have a drink every now and then. Right. Um, the, right there's, so there are ways to cope with this. Um, maybe, maybe there are other things at, at a sort of a medical professional level that we were not, I don't know, thinking of or seeing I think we should, we should probably follow up on that because I think that could be really important. Right. It's interesting what you said about, um, you know, things like having a drink. I mean, there are escapisms. I think there are, there are ways of coping with and being more resilient in a healthy way. And there are perhaps techniques that other people fall into that are unhealthy. Um, you know, bad habits that people can pick up along the way. And I think it's a very stressful industry. And, you know, people, I think, you know, myself included, and there was a period where I escaped in sort of a parallel London world, right? I, I kind of had a home life and I had a London life. And it was, it was a bit bizarre. You, for you were in the metaverse? You were in the- no, I, no, it wasn't. This is pre, this is pre, this is pre-metaverse, right? But, you know, World of Warcraft, you were, you were just out in World of Warcraft. <laughs> There's actually a game called Underground London, and I thought that's what he was talking about, right? It's like, it's an alternate London yeah. environment. Yeah. But uh, no. You, but yeah, if, you've encountered, if you've encountered Oliver lurking in the tube, uh, you know, right. Underground London, right? <laughs> <laughs> He's escaping. He's escaping. Um, you know, but this, this idea, it's, it's resiliency, right? And the whole idea is we're coping with these, first of all, we got to identify that we need to deal with this. Then we got to deal with it, not because it's bad. It's a human thing to, to stress as part of our makeup, right? But it's all about bouncing back, right? And getting back to the, to a point where you can execute and deliver, um, until that, until that bucket fills up again. Right. Um, because, I think, I mean, there are probably superhumans out there that can go through their whole life where they, they manage this all the time at, at a level. I think most of us are probably like, yeah, I'm managing it really well. And then just it ticks up over time. And then, you know, I throw a remote control or something like that. Right. And then it's like, now uh, I've got to deal with this. And now I, I deal with it. And, and then it ticks up over time. I, I, I don't know. I, that, that's a hypothesis. Maybe, maybe if we talk to some doctors, they'd be like, no, nah, it's totally crap. Don't listen to Lockhart. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I mean, this is what happens, right? And I'd love that example because I was just thinking about the cat that I watched throw his phone at an airport, right? And who knows what happened, but he just picked up an expensive phone and just threw it as hard as he could at the wall in an airport. And I was like, wow, something didn't go well there, right? But that was also, you know, things are going to happen. How do we deal with it? And I think, you know, this idea was to kind of give you some sense that there are, in fact, some tools and techniques to kind of get you started. You know, I think I'd said before we got this thing started was I just did this as like a 10 part series in our group. There are people out there with really great training environments that are actually focused specifically on resilience. There is resilience training in the U.S. military. That's part of the actual training regimen. So, I mean, there's lots of people out there that are doing important work and lots of stuff out there to read but to i think part of what why we've decided this was useful is that we are in fact talking to people who are working in what can be stressful environments around people that might be modeling bad behaviors and so in that space it's kind of up to you to figure out what you need in order to get your own resilience built to where you want it to be and uh, know that there are tools and techniques and materials out there to kind of get you started on that journey I think that's a good place to put a coda on that, right? And and call it. 
I don't need, you know, I, I, you know, I, and again, I think that was a really well put Phil, I think, you know, important, right. This is about, this is about getting, getting back in the fight, right. And, and dealing with those things to get, to get back to doing what you're doing. I, I really think this deserves a follow-up. And if we can, if we can find a, a someone who's qualified, <laughs> willing to discuss this with us, I think, I think there's, I think there's more here, right. Because um, I think it's an important, it's an important thing. So listen, guys, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, Wendy, I know you're in New York, so um, thank you for joining us from, uh, you know, bad, bad internet connections and things of that nature. Right. Uh, but much appreciated. Uh, Oliver Cronk, Wendy Keen, Filianoff. I'm Chris Lockhart. Thank you, everybody. We're, we'll talk more about this uh, coming up. Thanks. Yeah.